This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Joyful, joyful. Lounge on Joy 94.9. This is the show where we talk about spirituality and sexuality for our community. You are on the Spirit Lounge with Rachel, Claudine and Mark and tonight we have a very special guest in the studio with us, Michelle. And on your lounge every Thursday night from 8 till 9 on Joy 94.9. And as always, a huge bravo to Michelle, Steph and Clayton from Stand Up Straight. Now, I have a bit of a confession, guys, which may not come as a surprise. I am a sugar addict. Uh, At least with every single meal, every single day, I have to have something sweet and I can't imagine not having it. Uh, So a little later in the show, our special guest, Michelle, will explain why I would possibly even consider giving up sugar for a whole 40 days. But first, are you ready for the song? We're ready for the song. How should I do it this week, Mark? Um, I'm thinking upbeat this week. Upbeat. Upbeat. upbeat? Um, Maybe with an oriental feel. Ooh, that will be interesting. Uh, hmm, I don't know if I can sing Oriental. See, oh, the pressure's on now. Oh, no, because then I don't, I don't want to embarrass anybody out out there who might be Oriental and... <coughs> well, look, if I, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to go, holy day of the week. And that's how it's going to be, and that's not Oriental. Uh, so over to our in-house expert on all things monkey, fireworks, lion dancing... And dumplings. Here is Claudine with Chinese New Year. Oh, I think everybody can be an expert on dumplings. Oh, happily. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's one. That's one thing that might be universal. There's dumplings. There's dumplings everywhere. Um, I don't know if I'm. I'm not really much of an expert on Chinese New Year. Now you know that some people are cultural Christians. Some people are cultural Jews. I guess I'm a cultural Chinese person. Yeah. I've always been, a, I mean, well, duh. <laughs> so I've always been aware. Um, I've always celebrated Chinese New Year with my family since I was a kid. But it was sort of because we were a Christian family, we were like, um, okay, we'll celebrate Christmas and Easter and all the Christian festivals because that's really in, important and it's about God and we're going to go to church. And Chinese New Year is um, food and presents and red envelopes Wait. with little bits of money in them. There's presents? For Chinese presents. How did I not know this before? I need to get on board. I knew there was food, but like presents? Yeah, so, well, well, money. So, um, that's even better. And I think there's rules about how much money you get, but basically, the, um, the older members of the family will give little red packets of money to the younger 
members of the family. Oh, I'm the youngest. Yeah. So, so I, I get all the money. I think no, no. So if you've no. got if you've got siblings, they have to get them too until they get married. He's and, married. He got married. Okay, in September. so that's just all me. right. So he's. I think he'll have to start giving presents, yes. giving money to other people now. I'll write a memo. Um, so yeah, try and introduce that into your family. So the it's the Chinese New Year festival. It's uh, about two weeks long. Started on the eighth of February, which coincides. Um, it's a lunar New Year. So as we were talking to Michelle about earlier outside outside the studio, there's many festivals around the world that are centered on the phases of the moon. So um, this is the New Year for for the Chinese, and it's it's spring in china so once again it's there's loads of significance for some of the practices of chinese new year that don't necessarily translate to um you know it's it's celebrated in other parts of the world where anywhere there are many chinese one thing that i thought was really relevant for chinese new year is mooncakes but traditionally they're not relevant for chinese new year because they're an autumn thing and anywhere else it's not autumn well but we can eat mooncakes but we can eat mooncakes now so that's why it's relevant in australia to have mooncakes now that's why that's why religious festivals should be adapted for their local place yes it's true so i think um so something that a lot of people might be aware of is that there's a in chinese astrology there's 12 animals of the zodiac where the western zodiac goes uh for the month of the year in China, it's it's a twelve year cycle, and in fact, it's a, almost a sixty year cycle because there's twelve animals, and there's also five elements. And I always forget which the elements are, but I do know that the I do know what the animals are. So this is the year of the monkey, and um, shout out especially to my brother John, who is a monkey. So oh! it's his special year this year, and Mine anyone too, else? But I don't know if he's a zodiac monkey. <laughs> I'd say the same about my sister. So oh, there's lots there of it, yeah. So if you were born in, um, if you're turning 12, 24, 36, and you can go on this year, you're oh. probably a monkey. So I missed the monkey by a year. Oh, so does that make you, that would make you a roost? No, that would make you a goat. I am a we goat. We were talking about it. Yeah. So the 12 animals are the rat, the ox, tiger, rabbit, dragon, snake, horse, goat, monkey, rooster, dog, and pig. And out of those are all real animals except for the dragon, which is interesting. And um, Dragons are real. Haven't you watched Game of Thrones? Is Game of Thrones real? Yes. Duh. TV. TV doesn't lie. So the Chinese New Year is also... The Lunar New Year is also um, celebrated in some of the other countries near China, such as uh, Vietnam and... Japan and Korea, and I remember when I, because my family, we all love cats. I remember my mum telling me, "Well, you know, you're you're a rabbit, but if we were in Vietnam, you'd be a cat." So it's like, oh, oh. yes, I am the year of the cat. So that's that's perfect <laughs> for me. Um, my life is made. So some of the traditional traditional celebrations are um, firecrackers and loud noises in general to scare away evil spirits and welcome the new year. Um, lion dances to, and we've had lion dances in Melbourne now. So not to be mistaken with lion uh, so dance, lion dances. Yes, <laughs> I was always terrified of them when I was a kid. 
Um, and it's it's a time when people go home to the families. So whether you're um, if you're you know, living in China and working in the city, you'll get a few days off to visit your parents in the country. Um, my landlord, who lives in Hong Kong, came home to Australia, um, so she's you know, taking advantage of of that that holiday and the red envelopes, as I as I mentioned, and there's various special foods, um, different kinds of food that you eat on each of the 15 days that have some significance. Mm. Um, as I said, we weren't a very observant family. So um, in Singapore, you mostly celebrate the first couple of days with the public events, the firecrackers everywhere and lots of noise and dances, but we didn't have the special meal for each, each day of the year, each day of the week. Of the celebration. Um, so there's, um, as you know, a large Chinese population in Melbourne and plenty, the city of Melbourne's got right behind that and there's plenty of celebrations going on in the city. And we'll put up on Facebook a photo that our photographer, Betty, took um, of the 12 animals on display in South Bank, it looks like they're um, they're actually made in a paper lantern style, so so they light up at night. So we'll put up a photo of a monkey lantern on our Facebook page, Spirit Lounge Joy Nine Four Nine. So there are events going are, are, uh, all over Melbourne for Chinese New Year. So in outer suburbs of Melbourne as well. So if you visit. ChineseNewYear.com.au. This will give you information on events that are still coming up. So there's a few that have already been and passed last weekend, but for the next um, few days and weekends to come, there's a lot more events. And if you're listening in other parts of Australia, there's also events going on in every capital city, which is very exciting. You're on the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9. And our guest in the studio tonight is Michelle Trebilco, an Anglican priest and a recent PhD graduate in theology. Congratulations. And so much more, I have and to say. so much more, and we'll be hearing a bit more about that. <laughs> Hello, it's good to be here with you on the lounge. Thank it's you. It's squishy with four of us, though, don't you think? It's oh, cosy. It's cosy. It's a good, good lounge. Comfy. We're friends here. Just as well your uh, ears don't smell. Yes. <laughs> I that thought brought we were up going earlier. To, I thought we were going to skip that conversation. No, we've all had a shower and here we are on the lounge ready to greet ready to our visitors re- in cyberspace or something. On the airwaves. <laughs> on the airwaves. Oh. They're sitting here with us. Can't you see them all? And they can join in the conversation if they like to by they can you can SMS us on uh O four two seven joy nine four nine or you can email us on air at joy.org.au or if you're listening via the app or have access to the app you can hit the contact us button up in the top left hand corner and send us a message that way and we would love to hear from all our listeners out there so as you may if you were listening last week you would have heard that we were eating pancakes and lots of yummy greasy fat sugary things to as far as um on Tuesday, which so was like a standard meal for oh. me. No, oh well, no, well, maybe for some. Yeah, not but, you. You're healthy. Oh, I don't know about that. But <laughs> but that was that was only up till Tuesday. And now that's um, we can start thinking about what uh, what we do, what we eat, what's what healthy, what's not. What, yeah. Well, why are we picking out in the first place? We're sort of making. Um, it's our last dash before Lent, which began yesterday on Ash Wednesday. And um, 
we've you know, the the church has some pretty old standard practices such as the um, fasting and discipline of various kinds. But we were to- um, talking amongst ourselves. You know what's what does Lent actually mean, and how do we what can we take from it for a new um, new generations and for people who may not have those connections. So I, um, I've invited, we've invited Michelle in to talk about some of the approaches that she's, um, the creative things that she's doing. Um, so, I mean, first of all, we might just start off asking Michelle a bit about um, where you are today and you, you, um, you're an Anglican priest, but you're not in a particular parish, so that in itself is, is, is a bit unusual. Well, I guess unusual or usual, depending on where you stand, because um, there are literally millions of Christians around the world these days who uh, are finding the institutional church difficult. So, um, yeah, I um, I continue to have one foot in the church, and I really value the Christian traditions that I've come from. But at the same time, uh, I live my life amongst... Um, a community that has a diverse spirituality uh, and some of my favourite um, ways of praying and my spiritual practices are with people of different religious traditions or no religious traditions. Um, so I think that's just the way that the world is at the moment and we're all kind of trying to find our own uniqueness in that but also the shared space. The, sh- the shared community and and connections. So I'm personally very down with that. Very down with very it. Very down with that. I'd rather you be up with it, actually. I'm, I'm very... I'm on board. Fit in with that. How that about is you, Mark? My... Perhaps you're across it. Oh, I could be across it. That sounds good. Yeah, I could be across it. Um, maybe, you know, we're on the lounge across it, if you like. Um, maybe we can work that out. Yeah, just keep your feet to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no footsies on this lounge. Yeah. <laughs> I completely <laughs> lost it now. <laughs> so let me tell you what I did on Ash Wednesday. So Ash Wednesday is traditionally the first day of Lent. Lent is um, a six-week period that um, is set in time according to the spring equinox. And uh, and also uh, with some reference to the Jewish uh, Passover, that's how the date is set. And then Ash Wednesday is forty days plus forty days, excluding Sundays, prior to Easter Day, in which we celebrate um, the occasion of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Can I quickly ask why are Sundays excluded? You can ask that. I probably don't have a good answer for you. Mark has so, asked a Jewish man. It could come from the Jewish tradition of mourning, and so mourning is suspended on the day of the Sabbath. Oh, well, there you Hence go. Hence why you would probably say it's 40 days, excluding Sundays being the Christian Sabbath. And there there's you your connection. I, I love that, Mark. I think that might actually be different. Um, my understanding was that because Sundays... Uh, celebrate the resurrection. They always trump that other could be days. the case. Yes, because every Sunday is supposed is Resurrection Day. It's a mini Easter. Yeah, every Sunday. Yeah, so there's a yearly cycle, but also a weekly cycle of resurrection in the Christian story. Mm-hmm. Resurrection's kind of important to us. <laughs> it's called new life. So anyway, so Ash Wednesday is um, forty days plus Sundays before Resurrection Day. 
And um, so what I did yesterday on the first day of Lent was, first of all, I went to work. Yay! <laughs> and money, paid my bills. And um, then on the way home from work, I um, shared my lounge room with uh, six other people that I'd, I'd just sent out a general invite to my friends on Facebook and a, a bit further afield and said... Um, for me, Lent is all about making room for new life. Um, so come and join me in my lounge room. Um, and we sat in silent meditation for 20 minutes. So we had 20 minutes of silent meditation, um, still sitting meditation. And uh, we shared briefly. Actually, we didn't use that many words. Um, and then... And that was kind of it, actually. All we did was sit down, create an hour of, of nothingness, of just being there for ourselves in the presence of other people. That was what that was about, just making space. And I think that really describes for me what Lent is about. It's about making space for something new to happen without striving, without, you know, really um planning for it just letting it arrive making space to let new life arrive so are you saying that you don't necessarily have to give up sugar you can just meditate to allow space well this is certainly true but i have recently given up sugar so i also know something about giving up sugar and <laughs> And that's in my best interest. Uh, yeah. So fasting is traditionally a practice taken up during Lent um, and during other kind of um, uh, penitential seasons in different religious traditions. So the, and the idea of fasting as a spiritual practice is to change your focus. So to create a space for, um, for a focus on... Um, I guess life beyond the physical... The everyday. The everyday, yeah, something like that. Mm. Um, so perhaps a parallel example would be good. Um, I was really excited that I had these beautiful people coming to my lounge room and I wanted to make it beautiful. And um, so I went to the trouble of buying a brand new candle for us to meditate around it was purple because the color of lent is purple but i didn't read the instructions and it was a special crackle candle <laughs> <laughs> so we had these <laughs> all through our silence <laughs> and and you know the way of the way of contemplation is you just well you acknowledge and you accept and you just let something be so i acknowledged i've got a candle that crackles and we thought all right well we'll experiment and if it doesn't work we'll um throw it out afterwards so anyway what we found was the crackle was just an opportunity to focus on that and then let the other noises just mm. fall away yeah so um at one point the kids next door were out in the backyard jumping on the trampoline and I started to get distracted by that noise as I was meditating. And then I thought, oh, there's the crackle. I can hear the crackle again. So um, I stopped paying attention to the noises outside and started paying attention to the crackle of the candle again. And it just returned me to that um, simple, single focus, which is what meditation is about. So the crackle almost functioned like the bell in some kinds of meditation. 
Yeah, or a mantra. Yeah. 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 So you're you're actually grounded in the crackle. Yeah. And I think that's what, um, I think that's kind of what fasting does. It actually, it's trying to strip away your multiple focuses onto, onto a single focus. That's a great idea. And that makes a whole lot of sense. You're on a Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9, where we're talking to Michelle Trebulko about creative approaches to Lent. But uh, as Michelle was saying, she's still got one foot in the inter- institutional church. And the after after the meditation that she had yesterday, she then went off to an Ash Wednesday service. So tell us a bit about what that looks like. Yes, with a delicious dish and dinner with a special person in between. But I think that's also an important part of... Uh, celebrating all things beautiful and spiritual but um yeah i think uh so at eight o'clock last night i took myself down to my local church where i um participate as an honorary priest and we had what most people think of as traditional church so a traditional ash wednesday service consists of solemn music um the church building is cleared so all of the decorations in the church if they can't be um, removed they've put cloths over them so you can't see them that's a tradition that seems to have come about from the middle ages and um and it's it's the idea of making space in quite a different way so it's it's a lot more serious and solemn uh which is kind of what you'd expect i guess from those older religious practices yeah, so we um, we sang some songs, we said some prayers, we had some readings from the Bible, um, and then the ash um, of Ash Wednesday is made from last year's palm crosses, oh. which I didn't know until I was caught out in the first year as I was when I was a priest in my parish on my own, and I'm like, where on earth do I get the ashes for Ash Wednesday? And then someone told me, oh, they've always been burnt from the palm crosses from the year before but anyway that's a bit of priestly trivia uh so there's the ash there and um the priests go around saying words like um you are born of ash but destined for glory i think that's they were the words which i think they're beautiful I've um, never heard those ones before. Something mm. like that is what we used, and I particularly like it because um, the priest at my church uh, has a real interest in quantum physics, and he did this incredible sermon uh, on Christmas Eve about um, quantum understanding of the world, and just I just came away kind of tingling with this idea that I'm connected to all that is because that's, you know... So I'm dust of the stars, destined oh. for glory. I wow. love that idea. That might just give me, like, my alter ego something to actually ground <laughs> on. So the um, the ashes are marked on your forehead in a sign of a cross, uh, which is the core Christian symbol, of course, um, reminding us of what we're moving into with the death and resurrection of Jesus. Then we celebrated communion and we went home. Nice. Yeah, so that was traditional church. So I, I mean, I figure like traditional religion is still part of um, most people's lives in some way. It might not be part of their lives, but their parents might have been brought up Christians or their grandparents, and you know, it's often you you come across the traditional ways on these festivals, yeah. and you have to grapple with them. Like Claudine, you were talking about you are Chinese and Christian in your family. Well, now you as a unique person have to actually work out what do you do with those 
backgrounds that you've been born into and, and how do you negotiate your own unique spiritual path in the world? Definitely. So something that has that sparked my interest before was you mentioned that purple is the colour of Lent. And I yep. really wanted to find out more about that because personally I love the colour purple. I used to have like purple hair. It's now not purple for those of you out there. But yes, why purple? I was really hoping you weren't going to ask this question. No. <laughs> I just... Do we need to ask... Mrs. Wikipedia? Mrs. Wikipedia. Mrs. Dr. Wikipedia? I don't know. They are Ms. unlikely to have many opinions on Wikipedia. But I think, well, first of all, purple's a colour, right? It's a symbol. So it can mean many, many different things. And in the Christian narratives, purple's often associated with Jesus because it's a royal colour, because it was a really expensive dye at that time, and da 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 But that doesn't really make sense to me <laughs> for Lent. Like the royal colour of Jesus when we're stripping things away. So I read um, on Claudine's post on the Spirit Lounge on the Facebook page, Rowan Williams says that purple used to be associated with judgment. So a dark, kind of deep, Mm. ominous purple. Maybe that's why purple is the colour of Lent. Well, it seems there's a... I guess there's a theme because in in some traditions, Lent is when um, for those people who make confessions not every week but a few times a year, Lent is one of those periods when they do that, and um, that's uh, purple is associated with that practice as well. So there's a sense of um, accounting for yourself and um, confessing your sins and being absolved. On yeah, the Tuesday. serious, the serious kind of the business. serious part of the yeah. serious part of Lent. Yeah, <laughs> but I think then, um, uh, I guess I'm intrigued by the purple chakra at this point as well. So the crown chakra of spirituality, and uh, in some ways that makes more sense to me from that point of view of Lent making room, clearing way for spiritual enlightenment. Mm. So I don't know. I quite. Lo- I've, I've, that's caught my imagination this month. Um, you could in go terms of purple, but there is, you know, you could go really left field because purple is also uh, known as a gay color, yeah. and Jesus did have two dads, so <laughs> it could be something to do with that. Purple non-traditional could be family, the non-traditional yep. reason as to why. The colour of Lent is purple. But I found it really interesting as well that, like, depending on shades of purple as well depends on the way that you view the colour purple. Yeah, yeah. And we were were reading before that young people often associate light purple with happy and old people often associate purple with the dark purple and the grumpy judgment serious stuff. Yeah, so (laughs) you were saying before that the judges... Uh, had deep purple and that could be why. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. That's- Wouldn't it be fantastic if someone actually wrote in the definitive answer? If they if they sent us a text message saying, I have examined this in exquisite detail. 
or you're really is. good at Wikipediaing, you should definitely send us a message, 0427 JOY949, or send an email to onair at joy.org.au, or use your app. If you use the app, you already know how to do it. And then you can tell us why purple is the colour of land. Purple is still worn by judges too. I was I, when you were talking oh. about judgment, I'm thinking, I'm sure judges, judges and wear, and it's so it's actually high court judges in a, a, so it's that really high level of judges are wearing purple, which means quite significant. So I wonder, it's it, that is probably more uh, taking off the tri- the Christian tradition rather than the tradition taking off the judges. But that's just interesting. Well, who knows. Because I think that, you know, this is the wonderful thing about the time that we live in, that you've got histories and cultures from across the globe colliding into each other um, in these, you know, wonderful big metropolises that we live in. So it's all a melting pot of purple stew. (laughs) (laughs) Not sure if I'd eat that. (laughs) And you're on the Spirit Lounge, where we've been talking to Michelle about Lent and about some of the traditional and less traditional approaches that we we have to them. And Michelle was talking earlier about her the meditation that she ran in, in her home last night for Ash Wednesday. I was interested to know who who came along to that, whether they were Christian or, or not, or what, what brought them to it. Well, I think what we shared was a kind of desperate need to make some space for real living, um, for peace and calmness and just stopping the yelling in our heads and, and, you know, the rush, rush, rushing and, um, and the anxiety that kind of, you know, builds up over time. I think we just, we shared this sense of a need to stop and and find some some little yeah spaces for spiritual connection or or however they would say that and so were they um people you know through church or other one of them was a friend from church yeah 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 all the others were facebook friends so people um, that I've met around the local community um, or met on an online community. And, uh, yeah, I deliberately put in, um, put the set the time so that people could come in transit um, and just have a little pause uh, on their way on their way home. Um, so that, yeah, it's just, it's, Creating space in our life um, is something that we can just open a doorway to in little everyday, in little moments, um, rather than kind of um, a whole big um, going away on a retreat kind of or, live, or living in a hermitage or some, something like that. You know, there's, there's really wonderful traditions of withdrawing into silence and meditation in all the world traditions. Um, and I think what's really exciting about the current um, enjoyment of the mindfulness movement is just this recognition that we don't all need to be spiritual superheroes. We can actually just do what we can do every day to create that kind of space. Learning from the great superheroes who you know, manage to meditate for days on end 
sitting in the same position. I'm, you know, I'm not great at sitting still when I meditate. I um, have a dance meditation which suits me much better. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think um, uh, that's something that we're learning to do in our everyday is to to breathe into the little spaces. So, have you been practicing meditation for for some time? Yeah, I learned how to meditate um, when kind of life fell apart. It was part of me um, coping with uh, the trauma of life not working anymore. It was, and I think um, a lot of meditators um, share that um, that experience that you kind of you start because you need it, <laughs> you know, and there's nothing else to hang on to. Um, and once you um, once you start, you find this incredible freedom in letting go. Yeah. Um, so you obviously wanted to share this with people who didn't necessarily come from a spiritual background. Otherwise, you wouldn't have just asked your general Facebook friend. Yeah, so not a real. I wanted to share it with people who are interested in spirituality, but not a religious. Not sharing a religious tradition. Yeah, but I. Um, but it was important to me to share something of my religious tradition, um, so that it was authentic to me, but with an openness. So, so all I'm doing to share my religious tradition um, of Lent is opening my lounge room, and um, and creating a space where other people can share on their own on their own terms. So. One of the wonderful things about meditation for me is that you you sit yourself down and then you let go of the stories. Um, so you let go of the chatter in your head to start with. Once you know, once you kind of are able to sink into the meditation, sometimes that you know takes quite a bit of practice. But um, but you let go of the grand narratives. Like um, so, for me, the the Christian story, the capitalist story, the um, be a good suburban kind of daughter story, you know, and you just put it aside for a moment and you don't need to keep thinking about it. You just come back to I am a body and I breathe in life. Amazing. So do you think that so Lent is relevant to people who may not necessarily see it or may not even have known about what Lent is. So people who aren't from Christian backgrounds or who are from other religions, do you think Lent is important in terms of the meditation side of it? It's the opening your mind to clear it and let things out. So like the purpose of Lent is what I'm trying to say. Do you think that's relevant? Well, I think uh, I think that's a really complex and interesting social question because um, Lent is... Um, part of the Christian heritage and a large part of our Australian culture is from the Christian heritage. Yeah. So there's a lot of people who have that as a spiritual resource in their bag that they can draw upon. But human beings need rhythms of life. You know, so we, we all need these times where we're reminded to strip away what's unnecessary and get back to basics in order for new life to flourish. Like that's, it's not just human life, you know, all of life goes through this cycle of stripping things away in order for, you know, the yeah. autumn and into autumn, winter, spring, summer. <laughs> so, so I think maybe what I would say is it's, 
what is the gift is that for me as a Christian, if I self-consciously practice Lent in an open way and invite people to find their own practices of new life. So um, this is where I think we the moon comes in, like with the, the Lunar New Year. And um, so there would have been people in the group who were much more in tune with the cycles of the moon, but that in itself is a cycle where you um, you go through the ebb and flow of letting things go, picking things up, letting things go, picking things up. Um, and so by it's um, maybe it's it's um, you know finding all the different ways where we can have this cycle of giving up. I mean we we definitely need seasons where we're giving up less consumerism, less food, less definitely. sugar, I have to <laughs> say it, <laughs> and coming back to more community, more health, more simplicity. So um, yeah, I think in the great mix of multicultural Melbourne, we use everything. Definitely. Well, I think that's something that we we can all think about and meditate on ourselves is to allow ourselves to give something up and to open the space for new things. You are on the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9 and we're coming to the end of our exciting show tonight where we've talked about everything from the Chinese New Year and Zodiac signs through to Lent and the not-so-traditional ways of celebrating or reflecting Lent. And thank you so much for coming in, Michelle. No worries. It has been an absolute pleasure having you here. And did you have something that you wanted to input about this song that we will be going out with tonight? Oh, I love this song. It's just got the best intro. <laughs> and, um, yeah, well, you'll you'll hear it in a minute. But um, this, the, this guy is really interesting. Um, he's a really fantastic musician, um, uh, used to head up the horn section for Prince. Uh, I found out during the week he actually wrote the the horn riff for um, the funky song "Funk You Up." Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, funk you up. uptown you know, funk! He's, yeah, so he's a really good musician. And I was listening to his um, one of his latest albums, and I thought, gosh, I really resonate with these lyrics, and they were just they were just spiritual, joyful human lyrics. But really, particularly, seemed to link in with with my stories. And then I found out he was a pastor's kid. Oh, so he's got this whole gospel background. He and cares. I thought, yeah, 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 he's one of me. He's one of me. <laughs> he's one of me. Just being a spirit out there in the world and being generous and open. So. Amazing. So we're going to hear. Uh, Philip Lassiter's Butterfly. But keep your dancing shoes on after that and get out your bare chest because the boys from the woods are up next. So it's a big lounging good night from Rachel. And Mark. And good night from Claudine at the panel. And this is Philip Lassiter with Butterfly. Thanks for listening to a Joycast from Joy94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.